I'd like us this morning to consider a diamond. They're created under intense pressure and colossal temperatures in the Earth's mantle and then brought to the surface by volcanic eruption. They are created by a brutal process. But from that process comes something beautiful, almost indescribably so. When you look at a diamond, every cut of the crystal gives a different colour. Purples, blues, yellows, reds, all radiate out in a breathtaking array. A diamond looks different from every angle, and you can only fully appreciate its beauty when you've looked at all the angles together and have allowed the different hues to merge into one brilliant white light. And that's why a newly engaged woman with a diamond ring on her finger cannot keep her hand still for five seconds. She wants to take in all the angles again and again and display it for all to see in all its glory. Now consider the cross of Jesus. It was the most brutal process known to man. A horrific torture for the sufferer. But from that brutality, Christians believe something truly beautiful comes. Now that sounds inexplicable, and indeed it is. The Bible doesn't give one concrete definition of how the cross works, how such beauty can come from such brutality, and that is because it can't. There are no human words that suffice. So instead, like with a diamond, the Bible casts glances from lots of different angles, each showing up a different colour, a different layer of meaning. And on their own, each of these angles is insufficient. But investigate them all and hold them all together and you begin to take something of the beauty in. The Bible proudly holds up the cross like a diamond ring on a newly engaged finger and invites us to be captivated by it. Today we're trying to make sense of the cross. We're trying to ask what does it achieve and what does it mean for our lives today? And we're going to look from five different angles. We're going to look at five different descriptions that the Bible gives us. And we're going to try and learn what they mean and how we are to respond to them. For each one, we're going to look at a Bible verse. And we're also going to hear a verse from a famous old hymn. The first way to understand the cross is that the cross is the place where God won his victory. The greatest victory of all. It is the cross of Christ, the victorious one. In a battle, the last man standing is declared the victor. In British history, that usually meant that they then went on to become king. 
bloodstained and bruised they may be, but with the victory won, the throne was now theirs. Well, the Bible describes the cross in these terms. At Calvary, all the evil powers of the world fought against Jesus. In human terms, there was Herod and the unbelieving Jewish authorities. There was Caesar and the might of the Roman Empire. And there was a very hostile mob. But in reality, there was much more than that. The Bible makes it clear that all the powers that keep us as human beings imprisoned to fear, all the forces that lead to death, all that entraps us in sin, was also defeated at the cross. By dying and rising again, death and sin and the devil and hell were all vanquished. They hold sway no more. King Jesus won and he has now ascended to his rightful throne. From there, triumph is guaranteed. The Bible describes the period that we are now living in like the period between D-Day and the end of World War II. The pivotal battle has been won and now we live in the time of the mopping up operations. Evil cannot return from here. Now there are many verses you could choose to explain the cross in this way, but perhaps foremost among them is one we just heard from Colossians, where it says, Having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And what about this for a verse from a great hymn? Crown him with many crowns. Crown him the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save. His glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die. So the cross is a place of victory. The cross of Christ the victorious one. A second way that the Bible explains the cross is that it is the place where God paid the price to release us from slavery. It is the cross of Christ, the ransom payer. In ancient times, if a person got into a debt which they couldn't pay, they would enter willingly into a form of slavery. They'd become a servant to the one whom they owed the debt and they would work in order to pay it off. It was very different to the form of slavery in the transatlantic slave trade because this was entered voluntarily. But nonetheless, slaves would have been longing to be free of its burden. The Bible teaches us that every moment we don't give God the glory that he deserves, we fall into debt. Sin is not just those specific acts where we actively do something wrong. It is every single moment of our lives where we do not give God attention, where we do not give thanks and praise as he deserves. 
Every one of those moments where we're living in our own little world, not conscious that we are his. And he is worthy. Now we all know that we live large periods of every single day like that. So we all fall into debt. And that debt is so big that there's no way we could ever pay it off. The Bible says we become slaves to sin. So much so we could barely hold our heads high again. But in the ancient world, there was a way that you could leave debt slavery. And that was if a family member came along and paid off the debt for you. They paid the ransom price. And when they paid that amount, the slave is redeemed and set free. The master no longer had any control over them. The Bible says that Jesus is our brother. He is our family member. And on the cross, he paid the debt. He gave his perfect life to pay for all those moments where we hadn't worshipped God as he was due. And so in return, we are set free. Free to live a life of peace and joy. Free to live life in all its fullness. And there are so many verses that speak of the cross in this way. But here are some of the words of Jesus himself in Mark 10. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as for him, how about this? From to God be the glory. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. To every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. So at the cross, Jesus paid the ransom. A third way that the Bible speaks about the cross builds on the first two that we've thought about. If at the cross all the forces of evil were defeated, and if at the cross we were set free from the debt of our sin, then that means that there is now no longer anything that can separate us from God. We are enabled to be fully reconciled to him. The Bible speaks of the cross as the cross of Jesus our peacemaker. Through the cross, we are brought back into the presence of God. At the very moment when Jesus died on that first Good Friday, the great curtain in the temple was torn <coughs> in two. That curtain used to separate the most holy part of the temple where, where God dwelt from the court where the ordinary people like you and I were allowed to go. And it's tearing was this sign of all the, the barriers between us and God being broken down, being stripped away. Because of the cross, we are now fully welcome before God. And as this is true for each one of us as individuals, it means that we're also reconciled to one another 
we become brothers and sisters at the cross. As the walls are torn down between us and God, they are also torn down between us and the rest of our family. Because we all rely on Jesus, through the cross we're reconciled to God and we're reconciled to each other. Perhaps the clearest verse that speaks of this is in Colossians as well, where it says this in chapter 1. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Everything that has divided us from God is taken away and we are reconciled to him. And in that moment, we're reconciled to all other believers. And as for him, how about this from the hymn, Just As I Am. Just as I am, thy love unknown hath broken every barrier down. Now to be thine, yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God, I come. The cross is the cross of Christ, the peacemaker. The fourth way that the Bible depicts the cross is probably the most well known. It draws on the whole of the Old Testament and the sacrifice system that we find there. And it sees that sacrifice system as a forerunner to Jesus. Jesus dealt with sin once and for all by shedding his blood. The cross is a depiction of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the atoning sacrifice. Now this is going to need some explanation. From Moses onwards, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were designed to teach Israel some very important things about God. First of all, God is awesome. He is awesome and he is holy. He is God and we are not. And the fact that the people had to offer a sacrifice before they could get anywhere near him was to teach them that they couldn't approach God without proper respect. In fact, God is so holy, our sin taints us. And we cannot draw near to his presence without him enabling us to do it. It's a bit like you turning up at someone's home who've just laid pristine uh, cream carpets through the house and you're there in your muddy work boots. You're not going to be allowed in to trample your muddy boots all over the carpets. Well, neither too can we, with our sin, come into the courts of God. But God gave his people the sacrifice system as a gift by the blood of the animals. That sin, that dirtiness, that stain was taken away. And if they offered those sacrifices, God would remain there with them dwelling in their camp. The second thing that the sacrifices taught to the people in the Old Testament was that forgiveness was costly. When the people came to make their sacrifices to, to ask God to forgive them, they had to give the best. They had to give the best animals that they had. They couldn't just pick up the runt of the litter 
or the worst scabby animal at the back of the flock. They had to give the best one. They couldn't take God for granted. To be forgiven, they had to approach him wholeheartedly. Finally, the sacrifices taught the people the importance of community. Some of the sacrifices deliberately were to be offered by the whole community together. God's anger at sin was taken away from the community as a whole. This was particularly the case on the Day of Atonement, where the sacrifices cleaned the whole camp. Well, in the cross of Jesus, we see all of this fulfilled. His blood was shed to atone for our sin, to obtain our forgiveness, to make us clean. It was an incredibly costly sacrifice, which God paid himself by sending his son. And through that sacrifice, we are cleansed individually, but also as a community as a whole. United as God's people. There are so many verses that speak of the cross as this place of sacrifice. It's really interesting when the children said that, didn't they? Why is the cross, why does it work? And Finley said, it's the place of sacrifice. He's picking this up. In Romans 3.25 it says this. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate righteousness. And as for him, how about this? From hail thou once despised Jesus. Paschal lamb by God appointed. All our sins on thee were laid. By almighty love anointed. Thou hast full atonement made. All thy people are forgiven. Through the virtue of thy blood. Opened is the gate of heaven. Reconciled are we with God. The cross is the place where God made an atoning sacrifice for us. Finally we come to our fifth depiction of the cross. There are more, uh, many more. But I have chosen what I think are the most prominent in the Bible. So it might surprise you to see this fifth one. You might not have been expecting it. But God is very much interested in how we live our lives. And one of the ways that the cross is described in the Bible is as inspiration. When we look at the cross, we are inspired to change. When we look at how deeply Jesus loved us, We're inspired to love God and others in the same way. So the cross then is the cross of Christ, our moral example. When Jesus came to earth, he lived his whole life as a servant. He was obedient to his father's will and he loved all people. The prophet Isaiah foresaw his coming as the suffering servant. And over and over again, as we look at Jesus' beautiful, selfless life, we're challenged by Jesus to do what he did. To have the same compassion that he did. To treat people as he did. And Jesus knew, at times, this would be difficult. Listen to how explicit he was in Luke 14. Whoever 
does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So the Bible says when we look at the cross of Jesus and we see what he did, not only we say, wow, thank you, we're to try and act in the same way. To carry our own cross and make sacrifices for others. We should be so humbled by the cross, so inspired by the love of Jesus that we want others to come to know something of that love for themselves. And the best way to do that is to act like Jesus did. So the cross is so powerful, it should change the way that we think and behave. And it can do this in a way that no coercive law or dictator ever could. Because we're inspired by love and want to. The final verse of perhaps the most famous hymn about the cross puts this perfectly. With a whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. So here we have five powerful depictions of the cross. The cross is the place of victory where sin and death and evil are defeated. The cross is the place where we're set free from our slavery to sin. The cross is the place where we're reconciled back to God, made part of his family. The cross is the place of a sacrifice where we're washed clean. And the cross is this place of inspiration, calling us to live in the way that God would want us to do. So let's go back to that opening illustration of the beautiful diamond. The gem so brilliant that you have to look at it from different angles and then hold all those sights together. Well, so too it is with the cross. We need to gaze upon all these different angles and take them in to see the real beauty of what Jesus did for us. But very briefly, just before we finish, there's one question we have to answer. We've learned today how the cross works, but how are we to respond? This last 15 minutes hasn't just been an academic exercise about theory. The whole point of this is that it's relevant to us today. So how? Well, first of all, think back to your past. Think of all the regrets that you carry, the shame that weighs you down, the sense of guilt that comes from the things you know you've done wrong. And then choose to think of those things no more because the cross says you've been completely healed and forgiven, your sins taken away. You are a child of God. You are loved by God. There is no condemnation for you. God longs for you to come to him. Let's say thank you for that and allow it to give us confidence, a smile on our face and a spring in our step. Let's think about the present. We have a God who loves us so deeply he suffered in our place. Jesus experienced on the cross every type of pain we could possibly imagine and he experienced it just as we do. So that means no matter what trials you are going through today, God understands. So whatever you're going through, whatever difficulties you have, you are not alone. 
You never will be. Turn to Jesus, your Saviour, the one who died for you, and he will help. And finally, think about the future. The cross is like a line in the sand, a banner to rally around. It guarantees victory for the people of God. Death is defeated. Evil will be destroyed. God's kingdom is coming and nothing can stop it. So next time you turn on the news and feel despair or you look at your diary and your life feels completely out of control, take heart. Because the cross tells us that in the end, God wins. May that fill us with hope. The cross is utterly relevant to our lives. We drop the baggage of shame and sin. We can stand strong in the battles today. And we look forward in hope. Let's begin to live in the light of the cross.